yes. Friday night. Oh, it is Friday, yes it is. And we're feeling all right. Well, I just want to draw you all in for a, a final show of the week. Talk about a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and set the record straight. So how are you all feeling on this February 10th, 2023? It's a good buddy of mine's birthday today. Like I said, I quite a few February birthdays in my life. And I welcome you aboard. Now we are over a third of the way through the already shortest, stumpiest month of the year. February. February. Tonight, on the Friday Review, I guess we'll just kick through some light headlines. Nothing really has changed. Nothing's really changed. Definitely not going to drown ourselves in the same old shit over and over again. And, um... So what I'm going to do is do the things that we do best on this show, and that is go beyond the news. And I have a thread here that is ready to kickstart some conversation with you that I believe is just go- is, is, is really ripe, and I hope that it, it, uh, it gives us some results. And that is to talk about the main theme is the most important lies you have ever told. And I'll explain what that means. This is not going to be a, a show talking about whether or not lying is good or bad and, and uh, giving people an opportunity to talk about how they never lie, because that's ridiculous. Anybody who says they don't lie or haven't lied is proving themselves to be a liar. This is a very specific question, and I hope that, uh, I hope that we can jump into it together and, and have some fun. Other than that, it is not going to be relegated to just that because you can call in with anything, uh, anything regarding this week's topics. I'd like to hear you guys do a little bit of a roundup yourself. A little bit of a roundup yourself and tell me what, what you thought about this or that. Remember, I have a couple of things here that still came in with the whole Lazarus syndrome. So it's a Friday. You can get to any topic from the past few days. I'm also going to be taking, um, I'll be accepting strange dreams. Have you been having any very strange dreams? If if it's an uptick at this time in strange dreams, especially if they're very random, oddly prophetic, because I've been having them lately. I don't have anything specific to report because they have been so fractal that when I do wake up from them, I'm just like, I, I don't even... It's not even worth reaching over and writing anything down. Nothing's going to be coherent. I had a dream about... I don't know where I was last night. I was near some lake house. And... Um, the dimensions of the inside of the house were all were all messed up. You opened up the front door and the door hit the front... The, the, the steps going up to the bedrooms... Okay, you open up the front door and it only it only opened about 35% of the way because the door would hit the steps. So it, it was just a poorly put together house. It wasn't a scary dream. It was just a weird one. I walk out and there are sloths. There's a, a like a parent sloth 
that's walking across the 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 the, the, the I guess it's the front lawn, but it's so close to the lake that it's almost like there's no lawn there. And then the floth starts flying. And then there's a couple of baby sloths there on the, uh, on the, on the grass. There's so many other things that were going on. Like I said, it's, it was fractal. There was no narrative to it. And usually when I got the big narrative ones, I write them down no matter what time of night it is. And I bring them to the table, but, uh, that's just the, the least of it. That's the least of it. Every night has been a trip through the kaleidoscope, as I'd like to say. So uh, it, it, I will allow that too. Any any thoughts from the week? We'll get into this thread about the most important lies you ever had to tell. And, uh, and then, of course, we will accept a bonus honorable mention theme of if you've had any crazy dreams lately. Uh, you, you can't, you're not going to get 25 minutes of airtime tell us a little bit and then i'll ask you some follow-up questions and uh, and we'll go from there okay so that's what we have first thing up i want to thank all of my sponsors and affiliates and friends over on the affiliates page on quite frankly.tv uh I, I like to do that at least once a week just tried and true friends of ours who are immensely important blue monster prep you hear me talking about them all the time they're good people an all-American business, and what they provide is immensely important. We are seeing geological, weather-related catastrophes. We know that we are being driven toward economic and geopolitical catastrophes. Just think about, in a time where we know that it's good to have insurance for everything, this is a kind of insurance you should definitely have stored away into a nice dry corner of a basement or a closet, whatever the hell it is, first aid, communication, food and water that do not go bad for at least a quarter of a century, please go check them out and uh, and keep them on your your uh, your list there. But other than that, we have other things, so many great things. The, the CBD products, the hand-rolled cigars, you got the, quite frankly, Jester cigars. That is a... Um, a a Connecticut wrap with a, a nice smooth vanilla finish. I might have one of them tonight after the show. I think Matt and uh, and his cousin, Father McShane, who baptized Aurora, it, uh, his cousin's in town. He's doing another baptism for uh, for Matt's family. So I think we might all get together after the show and, and actually have a cigar. So that will be very, very nice. They will be all jesters because they'll last a little while. Nice six inch you know and uh other than that there's the coffee quite frankly daily roast there is gold and silver from wise wolf go and buy yourself a couple of rounds of silver there's botanical chocolate from yes cacao magazines awesome non-politically correct politically incorrect magazines from flip city rob Rob's Remote Qigong Classes, which you could be taking on Wednesday and Saturday for everybody who's been wondering where Rob is. You can see him twice a week, at least. And uh, and hopefully he comes by for a visit soon. But in the meantime, work out with him. Okay, and um, that's all. There's many more, many more things on the affiliates page on quitefrankly.tv. And, uh, and I hope you go check it out while you're watching the Weekend Roundup, which starts at 9 o'clock tonight and stretches all throughout the weekend and changes through Saturday into Sunday. And then I'm curating on Sunday and, um, and we'll see what kind of stuff is waiting for us on Monday morning for the new week. 
what kind of stuff A is going to happen at the Super Bowl. Because I'm watching, these days I'm more so watching for, did my numbers come out? And what am I going to be able to talk about on the show the next day? What, what, what cringy ass commercials are going to be pushed in our face? Uh, what demonic, uh, I don't know, offering is going to be made at the, the halftime show with Queen Medusa herself, Rihanna. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she showed up with, with 48 snakes writhing on top of her head. And then you have, um, and then who knows? I, I, honestly, who knows? At, at this point, the whole prospect of a player having a heart attack in the biggest sporting event of the year, <laughs> I'm not rooting for it to happen, but you know that everybody in the NFL front office is like, please, not tonight. Please, not tonight. I'm certainly, I want everybody to come out of this okay, but but you know, you know what kind of a... Uh, what kind of eggshells everybody's walking on right now after what they forced everybody into. Okay, but uh, and speaking of, speaking of people with problems for one reason or another, John Fetterman, he had a little bit of a medical emergency the other day. He was whisked away from an event, I think, because he was very lightheaded and they wanted him to get to a hospital quickly to make sure that he wasn't having another stroke. And then news like this gets around. This is from the Western Journal. Fetterman hearing voices like the teacher in Peanuts as he struggles to recover. Democrat Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania is struggling with auditory processing issues during his most recent hospitalization, and he has continued to recover as he, as he continues to recover from a stroke he suffered last year. If there's anybody in the audience that is a, uh, a nurse or a doctor who knows a good amount about stroke and recovery can you please let us know at what point after a stroke and all of the, the rehab and the progress that has been made at what point is are, are you pretty much at all you're going to get that's what I would like to know at which point do you know you have progressed as far as it goes in a person's recovery if you can send that into Super Chat or if you, ta- you can maybe even tag me on Discord or uh, it, try to get in with the phone calls later on, I'd like to know as he continues to recover from a stroke he suffered last year. According to the New York Times, Fetterman says he sometimes hears voices as if they are muffled like the teachers from the Peanuts. That's the wah, 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 wah. Annie Carney, writing for the Times, said Fetterman's most evident disability is a neurological condition that impairs his hearing. Mr. Fetterman suffers from auditory processing issues, which of course is not really needed to be in the Senate, forcing him to rely primarily on a tablet to transcribe what is being said to him. The hearing issues are inconsistent. They are often get worse when he is in a stressful or unfamiliar situation, which of course there's no stress in being in government. So he was always just made perfectly for the job. This is all mess, but really what matters here is that the Democrat Party, by proxy, owns the seat for six years. That's really it. Now, I don't know how how this works if he is, if he does get to the point where he just says, I can't do this in the first year of a six-year term. I don't know how it works. I have to look into it. I think at one time I did know. 
But a lot of people say, oh, that, that's, that's the in for his wife. Well, I don't think that somebody can just say, I nominate my wife. I pass it down like a title of nobility. There would have to be some kind of a, a vote. Uh, is it a party line vote because the Democrat candidate won? Or is it back to a special election where everybody in Pennsylvania gets to vote again, regardless of what their party is? Uh, but but it's, it's just that I don't know. So I would love to get a little bit on that. But as of right now, there you have it. Is he a month in? I don't even think he's a month in. You might have heard of this. If not, then good. It's a shit article. Uh, well, it's not from a. It's not the 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 outlet's fault. It's a shit story because it's really just a little bit more of a peek behind the curtain of what these crazy people out there, who have hijacked every every cultural institution there is have now set their eyes on as if Disney wasn't doing a good enough job destroying Star Wars for anybody, any new generation by snuffing out everything that was good about it, about the story, about the lessons inside of it, about the, 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 the even the lessons that somebody who wants to come on up as a screenwriter and a science fiction writer or a fantasy writer or a director can look at as far as character development and arc and resolution and all that stuff. Um, it's just being snuffed out, but they don't care. Um, they want more. Luke Skywalker is LGBTQ+, according to Star Wars community and Mark Hamill. There is no Star Wars community. There's no consensus. And as far as Mark Hamill being, uh, you know, making some kind of a, oh yeah, sure, Luke's gay. Mark Hamill's an idiot. So I, I used to like him a lot before he started getting into the, the game. But he's an idiot, and I'm actually really, really happy that Disney destroyed Luke Skywalker. I'm glad that Disney turned Luke Skywalker into a chronically depressed, sea cow, nipple-sucking loser who gets beat up by untrained girls with sticks. I'm happy. I'm happy, because that's what Mark Hamill is. It's like he, Luke Skywalker turned into Mark Hamill, and I think that's appropriate. I don't care. There is no Star Wars after episode six as it is, so they can do whatever the hell they want. Uh, he's LGBTQ. The most iconic character in Star Wars, Luke Skywalker, is now listed among the LGBT individuals on authoritative Star Wars fan encyclopedia, Wikipedia. Authoritative, my ass. The online wiki for Star Wars fandom Wikipedia updated its LGBTQ individuals page to include Luke Skywalker based on a recent short story by activist writer Sam Maggs reports bounding into comics. Who? What? Let's see, not trolling in any way, but what is the rationale for Luke being included on this, somebody asked. Not saying there isn't one. Uh, no, there is not one. I'm just not really familiar with anything defining his gender, sexuality, etc. in canon besides maybe a girlfriend in the comics. No, Mara Jade was not a girlfriend. It was his wife. It was his wife. And in, in the extended universe, that's all we had outside of the movies for many, many years. And that's what we accepted. It was awesome. A lot of great female characters in there. That was his wife. That was the only the only nod to his gender and his sexuality and all that shit. But some idiot over the, I don't know who who he is wrote a short story where 
Luke Skywalker appears to show some kind of romantic feelings toward a sergeant in the, the Alliance Special Forces. Okay? Definitely won't be reading that one. And it's all nonsense. Ultimately, they're taking out yet another white, straight, male protagonist that needs to be taken down a peg or two. Um, but, uh, but, but uh, other than that, it's just nutty. And I, what a way to end the Skywalker saga if that's it. The only one, the only male heir to Anakin is uh, spraying his seat around all the highway rest stops across the galaxy, and that's it. That's where it ends. No children for Luke. Man, I, I'm so happy that, that, that Disney ruined it, that Disney ruined it for Mark Hamill. I'm so happy. They should recut Empire Strikes Back so that Vader doesn't reveal that he's Luke's father, but instead reveals that he's a bottom. That's what he should say. No, I am a bottom. <laughs> That's impossible. That would be great. Why not at this at this juncture? Okay, if this is not a surprise, then I don't know what's going to surprise you. No, I mean, it's just, I should say, it shouldn't be a surprise. Social credit Brazilian style. Universal basic income recipients must be vaccinated. Anyone who seriously thinks that universal basic income programs of future won't be blown social credit systems, full-blown social credit systems, needs to look no further than Brazil, where newly selected socialist globalist Lula da Silva just decreed that the Bolsa Familia program will require family members to be vaccinated in order to continue receiving benefits. We can't play. It's questions of science. If I have 10 COVID vaccines to take, I will take all that is necessary. That's the quote. The news comes via the Rio Times, which describes the Bolsa program as, quote, a social welfare program for the poorest families in Brazil and a kind of universal basic income. So you know that in the United States, one of the greatest holdouts of people, uh, demographics who would not take the shot, are black Americans. And I'm, I'm, it's, it's a thrilling thing to hear. Whether they know why they're doing it or they just don't, just, they just don't want anything, I don't know. Hopefully they know why they're rejecting it and why they should. But if they're going to be starting to target, because you know all of these, when they, they say we have to be there for the poor and the marginalized, they're always talking about black and brown people over here in the U.S. as well as everywhere else. I can see this because of the, the representation of black families and brown families in social welfare programs over here, even in the United States, I wonder if this would be a way that they even they either they try to attempt to twist arms to be able to keep getting the checks to go out there. If you're going to get checks or if you're going to get any kind of subsidy for one program, any kind of means tested program, I wonder if this is how they're going to try to get rid of any of the resistance. Because I think that Pfizer has already said that the um, resistance to vaccines was like 65% in 2022, and they believe that 75% of people are going to decline it in 2023. I don't know. Um, I saw that coming from Pfizer. So if they're projecting less and less people are enthusiastic about this, I wonder how the United States copies the, the note 
you know, the, the homework of places like Brazil because universal basic income is being rolled out for all kinds of specialty demographics in the United States, not just race. They're doing gender identity, universal basic income. Hey, sign up. Just say that you're something that you're not, and we're going to give you $1,000 a month um, so you can continue finger painting somewhere in your apartment. It's um, This will be all part of it, and definitely, no doubt, this will be linked up to CBDCs. This is where the central bank digital currencies are going to be coming in. And they even have a section on it over here. CBDCs will be the rails for the UBI program or programs. The emergence of central bank digital currency in, uh, initiatives in the nearly every Asian uh, nation on earth clearly signals the direction this is going. Nearly every CBDC white paper or proposal I've come across have the following three characteristics spelled out in plain text, and I expect every CBDC to have these five capabilities baked in, whether or not they are initially enabled. Number one is expiry dates and use-by dates. They will, uh, after which their value will evaporate or erode, so you got to use it or lose it. There's not, there's not going to be any... That's incredible. Is that for UBI? CBDCs will have expiry dates after which their value will evaporate or erode. What I've noticed is white papers coming out of central banks starting framing it as a feature, not a bug, to facilitate recovery of lost funds. Listen to this. The abstract, an important feature of physical cash payments is resilience, which is due to their indifference to power outages or network coverage. Many central banks are exploring issuing digital cash subsidies, which similar online payment functionality. Such subsidies or substitutes could incorporate novel features, making them more desirable than physical cash. This paper considers introducing an expiry date for online digital currency balance currency balances to automate personal loss recovery we show that this functionality could substantially increase consumer demand for digital cash with the time to expiration playing an important role so i mean then there's anti-hoarding features Saving for the future is being rebranded as, as hoarding. This is what I thought it was initially about. When you say that there is going to be some kind of an expiry date on the value of your fake money, then I, that would have to be a hedge against anybody building up a, 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 a anything that re, res, resembles autonomy by being frugal with what they're spending and saving something up. Then again, even if you do save it, save whatever the hell you want up, there's no way to spend it privately. And you still have to live like a, a mouse. You can't, you can't really put any kind of unsavory ideas out there, unsavory to the state. Everything is connected. Anti-hoarding. Personal savings reduces dependency on the state. So, of course, they're going to call savings hoarding. Total information awareness, social credit system, and carbon footprint tracking. Those are the five features that are in every white paper across the, across the world that is getting ready to throw out the CBDCs. And with it, passports, incentives, um, I, I, I mean, obviously the, the vaccine threshold will be a big one. So... 
there's another there's another thing another reason why it's not a good thing that we're, we're that we're careening toward uh here's one one other little funny clip i have for you joe biden made a little bit of a teletron appearance in los angeles and he was congratulating lebron james for becoming the all-time leading scorer in the nba and everybody was booing him in los angeles take a listen to this There you go. And that actually wasn't booing. That was everybody going blue. Like for vote, vote blue. Blue. That they were just very happy to see him. That that's probably what it was. Don't go anywhere. We're about to kick this one off. Please help me share this far and wide. Uh through all of the socials, I have put all the live links out there. If you're on YouTube right now, and let me just take a look into it. At this very moment, we have about a thousand people that are watching on YouTube alone. There's only 271 likes. There should be at least 400 more likes by the time we come back from just the intro. Please click that if you want to help. If you're not a, if you're not a, uh, a monthly sponsor of the show, if you can't right now, if you're wondering when it is a good time, who knows? Maybe sometime in 2023, uh, you'll be able to become a sponsor and help us push this show forward at at blinding speeds but for now the best thing everybody can do is click that like button as soon as you show up to the stream it's like lighting a little prayer candle for us all thank you and we will be right back are you a chicken mcnugget no (laughs) aurora are you chicken mcnugget no excuse me are you a banana no and broccoli? Your broccoli? That's so funny. Mommy. Yeah. It's about broccoli. Your broccoli. No. Aurora, are you a chicken McNugget? No. Are you sure? No. So you are a chicken nugget? No. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! summer nights it's not a summer night yet but i figured i wanted to play something a little bit warm and breezy you know why it was spring today 
when I walked out the back porch, out onto the back porch and into the patio to make my way into the basement to sign on for the morning show with Tracy at 8.30 this morning, it was already 51 degrees. I said, what the hell is this? And, uh, you know, because I go out there, it, it doesn't matter how cold it is, I'll walk out there and get downstairs without uh, without a jacket on just so I can just, just get slapped in the face with something brisk, you know? And uh, that's like my cold plunge in, in the everybody. You know, the, the, those of you out there who break up all the ice and jump into the bucket, I'll try it one day. But for now, I think a, uh, a leisurely walk through a cold backyard with no jacket on is good enough for me from time to time. But I went out there this morning. I was like, holy shit, how warm is it going to get today? And we flirted with 60, which compared to compared to 20 to 30 is, jeez. I mean, it was uh, it was a wonderful day today. So I, I'm I'm feeling very I'm feeling very sprung. That's like mean spring sprung, not the other sprung. All right, whatever. It is a Friday. It's 7.25, and thank you for being here. I'm going to be getting to those Super Chats all throughout, and we're also going to be taking some calls. First thing I want to do is go to the Babylon Bee, see what's going on there, and then I want to throw another quick story out before we get into our main topic about lies, lies, important lies that people have had to tell in their lives, and we have some great great submissions. I think you will see the the line the very very defined line we are we are walking through this this uh this conversation here tonight but here we go first one up children headline children on the verge of starvation after dad fails to cut sandwich into little dinosaur shapes <laughs> it's true it's true it's just, it's just uh, the the demands and the the criteria are so are so ridiculous. Lauren usually gives uh, Aurora a nice slice of cheddar cheese, and she used to just throw the cheddar cheese down. It loved loved it, and uh, during lunch, and recently she hasn't been t- taking any of it. So Lauren's like, "What do I do? All right, let me dice them into little cubes." And all of a sudden, oh, oh cubes, you know. It's just they they get sick of just seeing they need shapes. It's just I I, I think it's fascinating. They're, they're more fascinating than, than cats. What's the next one here? U.S. retaliates for Chinese spy balloon by releasing spy inflatable flailing arm tube man. Oh, man, it's right there in the uh, the Chinese. What is that? They don't have a parliament. They have something, though. Uh, all right. Well, the, the flailing tube guys there. We got them now. Headline. Scared child asks mother to check under the bed for Madonna. (laughs) Oh, God forbid. God forbid it. That would be terrible. I, as like I said, to, uh, who's on? Jason Burmis? And I was talking to Jason Burmis. If Madonna were on the far side of a dimly lit hallway... Uh, the the courage would be drained from me. The courage would just fall right out of me and I would, I would find, I would be frantically looking for a way out. I would be kicking down doors, wall, throwing myself through walls just to create an escape. 
because I would not want to face it, whatever the hell is walking toward me at the other side, the other end of the hallway. I would need one of those Stanley Kubrick contra zoom camera angles there, and like, like in The Shining. Oh, so th- this I relate to, no doubt. It's not just a child thing. <laughs> uh, headline, to cover rising costs, Hunter Biden now charging 15% for the big guy. It's good. He's a businessman. Smartest man that uh, Joe knows. FDA says there is no link between Taco Bell and diarrhea. Declares food safe and effective. (laughs) You see, that is a risk. You always knew. That's 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 the best thing about this. With Taco Bell and other things that are going on right now, I don't know why we're more inclined to deny the inherent risks of taking something that has not been tested and that is showing negligible returns as far as, you know, what's the return on investment? What's the advantage versus disadvantage of not doing it? Okay. Now, over the years, we have been able to see very cleanly and clearly with Taco Bell, there are rewards and there are risks. And you have to ask yourself, is the reward of getting that cheesy gordita crunch greater than the potential risk of just pissing out your ass? And the answer is yes. Every once in a while, Jay Gulanello is going to hate me saying this because I haven't had Taco Bell in years. But if I were ever in a pinch... If I were ever in a pinch and it's like, I, I, it's not, I, I wouldn't, okay, I'll say this. I'm not in a place where I would say I will never, ever have Taco Bell again in my life. Could be that I don't, but under very specific circumstances, I just might get a cheesy gordita crunch one day. And I understand that there may be a problem afterwards, but that's a risk that you may have to take. Now, what's the reward? You're not hungry anymore. There is some nutritional value to it, though you can say that the ingredients might be so cheap that even that is negligible. But is it going to give you a blood clot? Are you going to suddenly, I mean, for real, is it, are you going to get a blood clot from it? You might have to spend a couple extra minutes on the treadmill. But, um, yeah, that's, that's a good one. See, the Babylon Bee, they just, they just get it. And now we're having a good conversation. Headline, FBI investigating plot inside of the Catholic Church to worship something other than the state. See? What did I say last night? That's all this is about. Whether it be cutting down all types of dissent against official narratives and and, uh, official state action on social media and and elsewhere, or whether it be targeting traditional Catholicism, which you know is only the start. They'll be they'll be going for Orthodox next. They'll be doing it all. Um, that's just that's just the way it is. This is about making sure that there is no dissent. There is nobody that there's there's nobody that is prioritizing a power in their lives that is higher, an authority that is higher than this false nation that has been built in the footprint of the former American Republic. 
No doubt. One last one. Mitt Romney headline, Mitt Romney attacks George Santos. There's only one room for one fake Republican in Congress. <laughs> That's right. Well, hey, he wouldn't be the only one. Now, here's a question I wanted to I want to pose to you based on a very short article I found on Cowboy cowboystatedaily.com some stuff that's going on out there in the state of Wyoming and it has a little bit to do with a short little exchange that popped up in last night's episode with my buddies Ben and Matt and Max and uh, here it is the headline is that there is a bill in Wyoming that bans teens younger than 16 to marry and it passed unanimously through the state Senate committee, so I guess it's going to come up for a vote. Despite its rocky travels through the Wyoming House of Representatives, a bill forbidding people younger than 16 to marry unanimously passed its first state Senate committee meeting. Four members of the Senate Cooperations Elections Political Subdivisions Committee voted in favor of House Bill 7 on Thursday while a fifth was absent for the vote. Bill sponsor Rep. Dan Zwanitzer a Republican from Cheyenne, or Cheyenne, I don't know how to say it, I'm sorry, told the committee, I, once, I learned the, the, I, once I learned the words, I'm pretty good with them. But I know that on-the-fly pronunciation is a bad, I hope it's not like one of your biggest pet peeves with me. Because um, I think I do pretty good for reading as much as I do in front of many thousands of people every night told the committee, I have to give myself some credit somewhere, told the committee he hopes to see the bill deter child trafficking in unsavory marriage situations such as older men preying upon teenage girls. Zwanitzer said that there is pressure by national groups to forbid marriages for people younger than 18, but Wyoming should allow an exemption for 16 and 17-year-olds to get married because emancipated and homeless youth have contracting rights elsewhere in state law. For 16 and 17-year-olds who aren't emancipated or homeless, the bill would require parental consent to get married. Jonathan Lang, a pastor in Evanston, testified against the bill saying it could jeopardize pregnant teens and their unborn children. A pregnant 15-year-old under the proposed law could not marry her unborn child's father, said Lang which also may deprive that child of the chance to be raised by both parents. Now, the the modernist, and I would say that there would probably be people across the aisle that would say uh, something along, I don't know how, how many, right of Karl Marx would say it, but there would be some people out there that would say, well, how, how, are they, how is the child going to be raised? You know, the, the, the parents are still children. How are they going to raise a child? You know somebody's going to ask the question. And then you have, uh, but then you have the other thing from last night that I really wanted to add. What do you think is too young for marriage? I mean, there was a time when 15, 16-year-old young men and women, boys and girls, got married. Started families, started working, whether it be in, you know, in, in rural America, all over the place. Uh, 15, 16, 17, that used to be, you know, that used to be a time when many lives, many families were started. So obviously that is not the cultural norm now, no way, shape, and form. 
And I'm not talking about a 43-year-old picking up a 15, 16-year-old. I'm talking about what is too young for two people of the same age to be married or to court to be married and to start a family. And um, I, I uh, so I, I don't know. I, I think that the more practical things would be, are they employed? Do they have a place to live? Is there a way to feed and clothe and house the child? You know, if, if it's a big family complex and there's enough room for everybody, I guess that, that takes care of that. But, you know, you also need your own space. And it'd be very hard for a 15, 16-year-old couple to be out there and, uh, and, and making it financially. So I don't know practically in the world that we live in right now how easy it would be for that kind of independence, even if they were mature enough and sure enough about what their relationship is and, and how they want to live the rest of their lives and, and, uh, and whatever. But um, just last night we were talking a little bit about regret for waiting too long to start families. That was toward the end of the show. We had a great call that came in from Trixie. And that was all inspired by a, a little side conversation that was started during last night's roundtable. So how young is too young to start a family? That's why I'm leaving to you. Uh, you can call in with that tonight if you want. You can write into the show because this just might be a good conversation for another evening altogether. And I'm not talking about casual sex or anything like that because um, I was in high school uh, September of 99 until 2003 and nobody was waiting nobody was nobody was even waiting to 15, 16 to start fooling around so I'm not talking about fooling around and hooking up and all that shit I'm talking about you found somebody you, you've expressed love for each other there's possibly and most likely a faith component component to it and you just want to get on with the rest of your life quickly no matter how how much the the modern culture has has drifted away from that and is encouraging people to wait into their late 20s early 30s to settle down so i'm that's what i leave to you i'd love to hear everybody's advice and their their thoughts and uh, based on experience or otherwise so um you can write in or call in and if I get enough response over the weekend, we can turn this into another show. All right. Um, now here's what I have. Here's what I have on lying. Now, I've been waiting to do this for a while, a couple of weeks. I knew it would be good. First, I want to read some famous quotes about lying to you. We'll start with uh, Mark Twain. Mark Twain says, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Ain't that the truth? Frederick Nietzsche I'm not upset that you lied to me. I'm upset that from now on, I can't believe you. George Carlin. The reason I talk to myself is because I'm the only one whose answers I accept. Let's see here. Benjamin Disraeli. There are three types of lies. There are lies, there are damn lies, and then there are statistics. George Washington said, it is better to offer no excuse than a bad one. So that, that, that quote right there might come in handy tonight for some people who, uh, who, who just would, would take a silence rather than offer up anything. But as you'll see, there are just some situations where silence is impractical and sometimes cruel. Here's uh, 
Ayn Rand, Atlas Shrugged. People think that a liar gains a victory over his victim. What I've learned is that a lie is an act of self-abdication because one surrenders one reality to the person whom one lies, making that person one's master, condemning oneself from then on to faking the sort of reality that person's view requires to be faked. The man who lies to the world is the world's slave from then on, there are no white lies. There are only blackest of destruction, and white lie is the blackest of all. Now, I don't know I believe this. I don't know I believe this. And, you know, she's not coming from a spiritual standpoint at all. She's an atheist. But um, when, it, when, when I think about that, I think for the most part, when you're talking about someone who is out there, I mean, we're talking about pathological liars. I know that people in this audience have run into one or two of those in your lives. Some of them may have been a little bit closer to you than you were comfortable to admit. And I've come to know quite a few pathological people. Those are the worst and the saddest, I think. Lying about literally anything, no matter how small it is, it just you're just driven by impulse. It's just it's strange, but again, sad but I want to lean into a different direction with all of this because I'm not here to discuss or debate the merits of lying that's not that's that's not the topic tonight uh, I want to go away from the pathological and the parasitic manipulation of other people for self-gain I'm not looking about self-gain and manipulation and trying to bend a person's will to your advantage for I don't know like I said, anything outside of self-preservation. I'm talking about the most important lies you ever had to tell that you are, I guess, don't regret in the least because an objective good came out of it. You saved a life. You, you spared uh, a child trauma or anything like that. We all know that throughout life there are these handful of times that we lie by obfuscation or omission or exaggeration sometimes and for the sake of self-preservation, sometimes even privacy. So I, um, I want to get into that a little bit here tonight. I really, I really want to lay it all out. So what I'll do is present you with the main question, and then we're going to start opening up the lines, and I can't wait to see what comes back. First thing, oh, damn, I deleted all of my... <laughs> I deleted the, the overlay for the call-in the call-in number, 914-595-6953. You can start writing that down and reminding each other, 914-595-6953. You can also jump into the Discord. The Discord, the, where is the, the studio, the quite studio, where the hell is it? Tonight's topic, there should be a tonight's topic channel that is not showing up for me, which is typical. Here's the question. I would love to know, I want to know, has there ever been a time that you've had to lie to buy you any kind of time to figure out a sticky situation, to conceal a wonderful surprise for someone? Anne Rand would say there are no white lies. You should never throw a surprise party for somebody. Is that not a deceit? Or to give comfort or hope to a loved one who desperately needs it to give them comfort or hope, even if you think that something is hopeless, to give them hope, to do something other than give up. There's a lot. 
or the last one here and the biggest one have you ever had to lie to save your life you know if there's a serial killer in the in in the house or somebody a kidnapper is in the house and they've got you tied up and you know that you're that someone you love is in another part of the house and they are going through a an escape protocol that you taught them or whatever i don't know i'm just i'm pulling up with anything and they're saying where so and so a child a spouse you know, a, uh, a VIP of some kind. And uh, you know that they're up in a bedroom and they're probably throwing down the, 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 the chain ladder to get out the window. So you send the person to the basement. They're in the basement. Is that a lie you should not have told? Things like that. So here's the first one I wanted to bring on up here. And this is from Attitude at Altitude. Says when I bought the ring to propose to my now wife, I was uh, it, I was on the night shift that week, but she was still on the day shift. I used that opportunity to go ring shopping. That same day, she decided to bring tacos home as a surprise. Tacos. I couldn't hide my excitement about the ring, but couldn't spoil the surprise either. She noticed and asked, so I told her I was just really excited about the tacos. She didn't question it any further until after I proposed, and then she was trying to figure out when I had managed to buy the ring without her knowing. It was never about the tacos. See, that's nice. And this is the kind of stuff, and I know this is going to get a little bit heavier, because I've read ahead a little bit, but this is the kind of stuff that I wanted to bring up. It's a Friday night. Let's just talk about life and being human, shall we? Captain Wiggles says lying to my parents that I wasn't pregnant when I actually was it was so worth it I wanted to surprise them for Christmas and waiting a month was quite the task since we are all so close they would both ask when they were getting grandchildren and I said that we were trying with no luck however we were very lucky as I was pregnant I was extremely sick while pregnant and one night my mom wanted to go Christmas shopping at 10 p.m. she was taking her time as she should but I wanted to projectile vomit all over the store. It was the longest shopping experience of my life. When it was time to tell them for Christmas, I said that they had to open their gift together and it was a board game for both of them. Yeah, no, it was our announcement and the delight on their faces was the greatest reaction of all time. Wonderful. 914-595-6953. We'll be taking calls uh, all throughout, all throughout here. Very sweet. Here's one from Shmoopaloo. Shmoopaloo says, I've had to do this on a few occasions, but thank goodness the situation was few and far between. I hate to say it, but not all newborns are beautiful babies. Oh, no. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Ayn Rand would say, no, no. You tell the parents, this is an ugly monkey. What is this ugly monkey you have brought us? Please, stuff it back in. Or else you are the world's slave. I hate to say it, but not all newborns are beautiful babies. In, offered, in, in, in an effort to not hurt a new mother's gushing feelings, extolling how stunningly beautiful her child is, and waiting for me to agree, I smile and reply, now that's a baby. That's... <laughs> Now that's a baby. 
Mama beams and agrees with my statement. I survive our with our friendship and my innards intact for having dodged a bullet. I think that that is very, very noble. I think it's very noble. No doubt. Because you want to know something, you got to give some babies just some time. You got to give babies some time. Now, I, I Aurora was always so gorgeous to me. Always so gorgeous to me. But the first day or two, she looked like Winston Churchill. I mean, I mean, you, you t- give them a break. Some of these kids, you got to give them a break. They were just squeezed out of a, a of a tiny little hole. Give them a break. So you, you just let the swelling go down before you assess what's going on there. But the first couple of days, she she looked like Winston Churchill, and I still loved it. Okay. And uh, and and there you have it. Nine one four five nine five six nine five three. It's a Friday night. I'm feeling good. Did everybody like my Iron Rand? That's the first time I ever tried to impersonate her. By the way, I hope Robin McCutcheon liked that one. <laughs> okay, let's take I'll take a call. Here's a call. John Otter, what do you got for us tonight, John? Hey, young man, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Okay, so I originally was thinking about. Uh, calling in about Lazarus uh, effect and the process of going to sleep and waking up every morning. And I've given that a whole lot of thought, but then you started uh, going more into the lies and Abel liked this idea that the biggest lie we sell, tell ourselves is trying. Mm. And uh, you got four points. I didn't have enough time to really sit down and, um, digest all of the four points that you asked for in the in the uh thread but um you know you said buying time concealing a wonderful surprise comfort and hope and to save a life and really what i think it comes down to is why you know every time i say i'm trying i'm lying to myself because i did not have the power to say no in the first place you know trying means half-heartedness and so when you're when you're trying you're lying and either you're going to do it or you're not and when it comes to you know these caveats that you threw in uh the buy time um and surprises and comfort and hope and save life i think those are pretty deep channels of of you know contemplation you know you keep up talking about and rand tonight mm-hmm. um each one of those is uh, a contemplation of of our inability to say no. Saying no is such a powerful thing, man. And because you know, it doesn't leave whoever you promised to hanging. And um, but but if there's but, but, especially but John, yourself. But but John, especially it, yourself. If there's no, I, I'm I and I and I understand that. If it's one thing, if you just don't have the. The, the the balls or even the stomach to have very very hard conversations with people that you do not want to hurt or, or maybe uh, you don't you you just know a certain type of person's temperament and you don't want to burn a bridge or or and like I said before you have a you have a person in a hopeless situation but when it comes to right. everything if you half-ass it are you really doing anybody any service you I, know if you're just doing it out of obligation, if you don't have a hard no or a hard yes, yes, I'm going to do this. 
Well, no, I'll try. What's the difference there? I think that's pretty deep. And whether uh, it's under obligation or guilt or uh, just a, a, a series of lies to yourself about your own abilities. I mean, um, the, the lie that we can't do something. When we look at something and say, but, I can't do it. I, but, but I'm not. You I'm don't not, know. You've I, never tried it. I'm not talking. But, you know, I, and I understand what you're talking. I, I understand what you're saying. But it's getting it's it's driving us away from it's driving us away from situations in which telling the blunt truth about everything is uh, is really that you can you can actually lose your life that there is there is there is any kind of element or, or you can you can ruin a surprise that that something that you want to happen that you're planning for you can screw up the timing of something that, that you can just ruin a lot of work that you're just you're you're just using it strategically to make sure that still things are uh, a, a, an objectively good thing is kept in place including a human life or human spirit if there if, if you know you don't want to if you have an opportunity to say something that is nice and let's say unrealistic to a person who is going into a very very dangerous medical procedure and they may not make it out if you can give them just a little bit more confidence in easing those nerves as they're going into an OR and, and, and instead not thinking about how I'm never coming out and I just said goodbye to my family for the last time, then why not do that? That's why I'm talking about situations like that where it's the... We, do, we have a whole population doing that. Hope itself is... Okay. I say this a lot. Right. Hope and fear are the same demon. Okay. Okay, you, you, it, a point point taken, John. And there's probably one or two, maybe a lot more than one or two people who are who are 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 in complete accord. So you've never you have never settled. You have never told a lie to preserve a a situation or make help it from get out of an explosive situation that you can see that this could this is a tinderbox situation. You have never said anything that that is I've either. I've lied my ass off my I'm, whole life. So then, so then, you, then you, you understand the way that it could be employed sometimes to avoid disaster, and and try to keep things civil. You know, I'm not even talking about telling somebody that the sky is red when it's blue. I'm talking about a strategic omission, just so that things can just stay together a little while longer until you can figure out a way to patch things up, or or to get away from the blast radius. Because it's really not something. See, that's my original point: is to, is lying to myself on all of those levels about trying. You know, trying what? I lie to myself that I can accomplish something just to save my ass. From what? You know. But what, like what, the uh, situations I put myself in. You're going to have to get you know, specific, I, John. You're going to have to get specific, though. What? Tell me something that you have lied to yourself about trying to do. To. To, to, I mean, you, you have to give me something specific because uh, this is my career. My career. Okay. After I got sick, I, I lied to myself that I could keep on doing it, and I damn near killed myself doing it. And okay, well, that, well then, well, John, it, it, that that in that respect, that is not something that would that would not that would not be something that would uh, be an objectively good thing if you know it, deep down inside that you're going to be 
embarking on a, an action that is going not to serve you, especially in your physical capacity, to be able to to do it. Um, well, John just jumped jumped off. If you had your career in in line, and you're saying, okay, well, um, I I think I can do this. I'm going to try. But somewhere else, you believe that there is a there's just it's not going to happen. Then yeah, you're putting yourself into a detriment. Um, you're putting yourself into detriment. And I think a lot of people actually, John, I, I think a lot of people actually do that to themselves. They prolong things like retirement. And I don't know if it's if it's lying. Sometimes, a lot of the times, it's just people acting from a a need to be able to uh, subsist. If, especially if the job means that you are going to go without the the resources to be able to to keep living, but uh, so there there is a little bit of self deception there, lying to yourself, but um, so that 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 is a lie, I guess, but a little bit um, a little bit more off off the, the 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 track here though. I don't think that this has so much. Well, you'll see. There are some situations that people write about here where there is a lot dangling in the balance and sometimes physical physical health, too. We will get to that in a little bit. Um, let's take a call from Kim in the, the high desert. What's going on, Kim? Hi, Frank. How are you guys? I'm doing well. How have you been? Um, good. Exhausted. I have a baby with pink eye. It's awful. Um, but... I I wanted to call about lying, you know. As a teenager, you know, I lied to my parents all the time to avoid getting my hiney handed to me. So <laughs> I had to sneak around and do things in a smart way. But I learned quickly that that's not, you know, as an adult, you can't do that. Um, so I really tried to be as honest and kind as possible, kind of follow the rules, like, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? that kind of rule and then find words to make it maybe soften the blow, you know, mm -hmm. instead of, you know, being so brutally honest that it hurt the other person. Um, so I did that, but then a friend of mine got really sick and we were trying to do everything we could possible. Um, she was doing both natural and, um, you know, Western medicine. And so she was really hitting it hard, but a friend of ours who's, quite clairvoyant had did a, a Reiki session on her and said that she her body had given up and that she wasn't going to survive and I'm sure people are rolling their eyes at that but you know she she's not wrong so we all kind of knew when we could see it in her and when she asked if when the friend who was passing away asked like do you think I'm going to survive this you know I lied I said you know I think you're doing everything you can and I have high hopes for you and I love you, and I think that, you know, miracles can happen, but we we got her PET scan back, and the cancer had spread from head to toe. It was in every tip of her body everywhere, and her mother chose not to even show her that PET scan. Mm. So she passed away not even knowing that it had spread everywhere and kind of having hope a little bit. Um, she, I think she knew, you know, that we, she was trying to have everyone hang on to some hope, and we had to kind of hide that from her and just say, yeah, of course there's hope. There's always hope. So yeah. that was, yeah. Well, that was kind of detrimental. Well, Kim, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I really do. And, and, and that's, I'm, I'm definitely, I, 
I was expecting calls like that, and and I did get quite a few, uh, quite a few entries like that as well. So I, I thank you, and I'm sure that a lot of people can relate to that one, and uh, and I hope you have a great night. You too, Frank. Okay, there you go. Another call from Kim in the High Desert. Kim in the High Desert. I am. Uh, I, I'm moving on to. Well, first of all. I uh, I saw Abe in the chat room say I'm sure Lauren really appreciated that about the about Aurora looking like uh, Winston Churchill. She took a Winston Churchill picture. It's I mean she doesn't have the cigar or anything like that, but she's hours old and she just looks like she just heard some bullshit and she doesn't want to hear it anymore. Lauren also uh, texted me. She said, "Well, she also broke bones on the way out. Not her bones, Lauren's." She broke Lauren's tailbone on the way out. So Aurora was just like, get me out of here. And um, then she came out looking like a little blueberry. Because, of course, she got the full five minutes. We asked for, hey, listen, can you just give us 45 more seconds on the, on the, uh, the umbilical cord? Like, we'll give you more than that. Was, so that was great. And now, you know, she looks like I keep, I keep pictures like this over here on my desktop. Over Boy, This was from a couple of weeks ago. This is just a couple of weeks ago over here. Look at that face. Look at those eyelashes. Oh my God, help me. So, you know, Winston Churchill for a day, that's fine. Look at that face. <sighs> my life changes every day. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna be coming back and uh, we have an entire hour of this. Like I said, you can also call in with a quick elevator pitch with your uh, crazy dreams, if you've been having any crazy dreams, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 Quite Quite frankly. Quite frankly. Quite frankly. Quite frankly. Quite Quite frankly. 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 Quite so everybody watch, quite frankly, with Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? 
Okay, so feels like a good show so far. Let's get to some super chats, clear those out. Then we're going right back to the thread and your calls. All right, here we have it. First one up is Amanda Reif. Amanda says, happy Friday, Frank. Can you please wish my son, Matthew, a very happy birthday? He's 12 today and he loves listening to your show with us. That's awesome. Matthew Reif. Happy 12th birthday. Whenever somebody calls in or leaves this and they say, hey, my son or my daughter is turning 10, 11, 12, the first thing I still, and I'm always going to think of is Little League. 10, 11, 12, those were my, that was my age. I was doing 12, 12 and under, and I loved coaching 10 to 12. I love it. So I don't know if Matthew was into baseball or anything like that, but we'll have a catch. You want to have a catch with Uncle Frank, Matt? Let's do it. Happy birthday, buddy. 12. What was 12 for me? 1997? 1997, I think. Good year. For us, you know, we don't have any of those those adults, any of those adult responsibilities. That's why the, the 90s are really so great for us. We didn't have any of the responsibilities. Just all fun. But... I'm sure Matthew's having a good time with his family. If he's watching with the, the, me with his family every night, I'm sure it's a pretty cool household. So, Mark Swan says, I'm... S- of course. I'm sending this on behalf of the chat tonight. They all want to tell you nice tits. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. I work very hard on them. Shake and bake. Let's see here. Shake and bake. Says, Lord Francis, gotta say you look pretty swaggin' on Dark to Light Wednesday with the sunglasses and no hat. I would be beside myself if you did that one broadcast uh, with that presentation. Oh, if you did one broadcast with that presentation. Love you, Lord Francis. If I just went with no hat and, and, a, and, a, <laughs> and the, the, uh, the glasses. You know, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. The thing here is, I mean, I love wearing hats. Um, especially in the in the in the summertime, I'm taking them off a lot more because I don't the, the sweating outside. Once a hat gets soaked, it's gone. Especially when I'm playing on a, on stage, I gotta wear a hat. I go through a couple of hats a night sometimes because the it'll start soaking up and then dripping, and then it's just. But especially on air, this would be very sweaty with this leather strap over over here on top and it gets just it just my ears are hot on certain nights the ears get hot and sweaty i take them off and just like oh get into the shower that night i'm scrubbing behind the ears and and uh i switch out these these headphones every six to eight months just because the sweat makes the 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 leather kind of get stiff and cracked and all that so i there's a lot of things that i do but I don't know. I just feel most comfortable with the hat. I wouldn't last the whole show. That wouldn't feel right. But sunglasses? Hell, all right. I mean, one night we'll do it. I guess. If that if that makes Shake and Bake happy, of course. Love you, Lord Francis. Oh, I heard now that this Scottish Lord and Ladies 
you own a plot of land in Scotland and you are now a lord and lady. I have heard that there is a lot of scandal that has popped up around that thing, that it's not real. Which would be a, a very, that, that would be a heartbreaking thing because Lauren and I lived regal lifestyle the last year and a half or so. And for that to be taken away so brutally from us, if it was a scam, I, that would that would be horrible. Okay, that's from Shake and Bake. Uh, Smooth Dickens. We've got another one that just came in. Smooth Dickens is Frank. While deployed in Afghanistan, I remember a particularly brutal day, which resulted in three fallen brethren and an 18-hour-long firefight. When I got back to our base, I called my family to tell them nothing was happening. It was boring. No danger. There. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Do you tell your family at home that you, your, their son, their brother, their nephew uh, was just engaged in an 18-hour firefight and have them thinking about you with your life hanging in the balance for almost an entire day in just one engagement? I, I, that's, that's what I'm talking about. The most important lies you've ever told. Why would you give that to your mother to think about? And, and, and that's not to say that you probably don't want to tell somebody, but, uh, that you, you don't want to get it off you. You don't want to make sense of everything that you would, you just went through. And, uh, and in, in many ways you, you might've wanted it to just be done with already and just go home. But, um, that's. A wonderful example, Smooth. Thank you for that. Thank you for that contribution to the show. All right, over on to the Rumble. We got a couple of Rumble rants. We got Spud Hill says to break up the to the, the breakup lie. I just want to be friends. Oh, there's Spud. There's one in here. If I scroll down just a little bit more, I'll read it right now because it's not that long. Uh, where is it? This one got me. Snark Dragon said this a little bit farther down page one on this thread the quote left a quote three words i forgive you i said oh that stings that one hits now i don't know how it was delivered but i think we've all yeah okay so let me see what else is over there on rumble and we'll get to the foxhole in a little bit Grace Fi says, hey, Frank, love your show. Imagine if Biden had continued the Keystone XL pipeline to gather natural gas to sell to Germany and EU rather than talking, taking us to the brink of World War Three by blowing up the Nord Stream. Yeah. Yeah, well, there still is a there still is a an export, an opportunity for export. That is what was was coming up we were talking about what was it uh, liquid liquid natural gas nlg i forgot who was threading on it around september of 2022 when the the, the pipeline was blown up and uh and, and that being one of those you know almost like perks that there was a chance for the united states to export a little bit more to germany and take some of that that uh, that that business away even though we would never go and uh, and start mining gas and turning on not only 
not only the supplies, but also creating tens of thousands of sustainable jobs right here at home to make sure that whenever we go to flip on a, you know, the, the, the stove, which they want to get rid of and go to the, the, go to the pump or anything else like that, that there are things there that can be done to make us so independent that we would be again, the envy of the world, at least in that respect. So it's never about us. It's about what a mafia remember. You remember the, the whole Sopranos side by side. I juxtapose that the Sopranos, Tony Soprano and his crew on a construction site in New Jersey somewhere. And then you extrapolate that out to the kind of gang mentality and operations that are going on in DC and in Brussels and working together all around the world. Those are different crews. The America crew, the Brussels crew with the EU and the UN and then all of the NGOs and the corporations. And it's all intermingled. They're all doing side deals. And what they're really doing is taking a construction site that uh, like the United States that most people would think, oh, wow, oh, wow, a, a new a new sp- uh, facility is going up or a new highway rest stop that's going to be really convenient because there's not a highway rest stop for 25 miles and where, you know, it would just be really good. Anyway, the people of a certain town or a state or a country think that there is a project that is being done, developed for your for your benefit, that there are people out there lawmakers and uh you know companies construction companies all of them that are that are out there trying to make things better for you but really it is just the site of a uh it's just it's just the the, the entire construction construction site is being robbed things are being skimmed stolen uh it, it delays construction by years things get held up there's union problems. It's just all a bunch of arm twisting and people are making money, but uh, all the money is taxes. All the money is coming from those of us who work and actually care about the little things in life. And uh, we get shafted with incomplete work, with failing infrastructure and and things like high gas prices. Meanwhile, they'll go blow up a uh, an underground pipeline somewhere. And then while they are starving us, of very cheap domestic energy resources, they might say, hey, you know what? We can actually sell a little bit of this to Germany now that they're not getting it from Russia. That's the kind of shit that they would do. And of course, strategic reserves to China. So it's all Sopranos. It's all Sopranos. Alrighty, now let's go on over to grab some calls. 914-595-6953. And while we do that, we are going to come on over to here and kick this off on the thread again. Are you ready? Here we have it. Um, It's not my story, but my husband's story, says Mrs. Press. It's the first thing I thought of when you mentioned this topic. He was a police officer, went to the scene of a bad car crash. There was a young boy about six years old who had been thrown from one of the vehicles and was very badly injured. He knew this boy was going to die, but he sat on the ground with him and told him he was going to be okay. He didn't know what else to say, and he couldn't tell the boy 
that this young, the reality of the situation, the boy died on the scene. There you have it. There's another one. Uh, heartrending. Heartrending. But what would you do? What would you do? Problematic Will says, my son in 914-595-6953. Uh, just keep it coming. Let's hear people, new callers and all that stuff. 914-595-6953. Problematic Will says, my son asked me who in the world that I hated. I said, I don't hate anyone. Before my divorce, I didn't think I had the capacity to hate anyone. I was naive and wrong. There's a thin line between love and hate. Lord, no. Lord, don't I know it. But I couldn't tell my son how I really felt about his mother. I pray for her and my feelings I have because I know she is the mother of my children and I'm supposed to love my enemies. So friend or foe, I'm without excuse. I'm a work in progress. Y'all pray for me. That's very real. That's very real. I I know situations where there is just, uh, there is, there are people who at one time came together and created life. They saw enough in each other to create life. And uh, and then to, to have things turn around so much or to have the relationship always have been tumultuous. But they created life. And what to that child is... What, 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 how do you represent that relationship to that child? That's an it's an incredible question. It almost remind it reminds me of the uh, the Watchmen, Silk Spectre, her whole story, when um, when Doctor Manhattan is. Oh man, I gotta have to get that whole that whole thing there about how she's a miracle. Um, I, I'm going to have to get that because the comedian was her father, but man, yeah, I, I'm going to have to find that quote. That's an interesting quote. That's what I think about with problematic will right there. Johnny Nada, Johnny Nada is up here. Let me take a call from 513 first. What's going on? 513. How you doing? Hey, Frank, this is Steve from Southwest Ohio. It's great. I talked to, you, talked to you a week or so ago, and uh, uh, I couldn't understand what you were saying. I apologize for talking over you. Oh, no problem. Um, I, I was just welcoming you back to the show. It's, it's great to have you on, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Thank you. Um, I believe if you take a look at what's going on, uh, there are so many people involved in uh the we'll call it the evil that's going on um you couldn't say that it's orchestrated by this group or that group or another group i wouldn't think uh but but you can you can say it's orchestrated by evil um i don't know if um uh it the it seems like that everything white is bad now and um, I'm gonna, I'm going to put this mildly. Uh, they don't care too much for the white race for whatever reason, and I think I know, but we won't get into that right now. Um, 
they've got, uh, let's see, 170 million Christians in Russia, uh, and you got 240 million Christians in the United States. We're the first in Christian population. Russia's the fourth. Um, the only two countries that they haven't taken over is Russia and China. Uh, I'm not sure if China's just sitting there waiting for uh, Russia and the United States to start interchanging the ICBMs, but they wouldn't come out too good either. But um, if you go to Revelation chapter 18 and, and you, you read through there, you can see um, the results of a nuclear war. And I think what uh, people haven't come to grips with is that who uh, the whore is on the back of the dragon in Revelation 18. Um, if you could follow their history all the way down through time, so Steve, Steve, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, we're two and a half minutes in, and I'm I'm wondering what what are you concluding? Who who uh, are you trying? Are you going to tell us who the whore is, or um, or, no. or, or what do you think that this is all culminating toward? It's I think it's coming. Uh, I mean, it, it's definitely coming to Revelation 18. Uh, God doesn't make mistakes. He wrote the book, or he had people write the book. Everything else has come through, and um, we're, we're looking for the wrong leader. There's no man going to straighten out the mess on this earth. Oh, well, I agree with you on that one. I agree with you on that one. So uh, obviously, and, and Steve, I, I got you now. I have you stored in the the Skype zone. It will be you next time. Um, obviously, from the stance Steve is taking, and thank you for that, Steve, there's... If we're looking at Revelation, obviously this is going to come to a little bit more of a 4th of July sparkler extravaganza finish and not nothing that's going to be worked out inside of a boardroom or on the floor of a deliberative body like at the UN or Congress. If it's pure evil, then it's going to go to the most dastardly evil lengths. That's what I had to assume. Let's take another call. Uh, 412, you're on the air. It's a Friday night. What do you got for us? So my mom passed away, and the oldest sibling moved in the house to help. The next day, my dad was on my doorstep with his suitcase. I can't, I can't be there with her there. And two, this is a blast radius thing. We told her, the whole family knew that it wasn't a situation that would work, but we all told her that, well, the memories in the house are just too much for him right now, and we just need some space, so he's just going to stay with us for a while. But in hindsight, it was a really bad idea. It took us two years to get her out of the house. So my dad could get back in. Okay, so anyway, okay, so so you're talking about so, you, so, so when you when you like a good idea at the time not to hurt her feelings because she was grieving over my mom. Absolutely. And now my dad couldn't stand to be around her. Okay, so I, I get this, and let me just to make sure I have this all down. When your mother was at, was was re nearing the end of her life, your sister went over there to 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 be with her. Uh, with your father and your mother in the house. Now, there's for some reason your no, father. No, no, no. Okay. Well, yes, 
but my parents kicked her out and then changed me to be the but then she came back based on based on her activities but then my mom my sister was out of the house because my parents kicked her out right but then when my mom passed she moved back in saying you know she's there to help my dad and everything and he was on my doorstep the next day with his luggage oh god okay 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 so we just told her that oh well the memories are just too much right now blah 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 to Blast radius. So let me, let me ask you something. Without throwing, without I, I'm not encouraging you to throw your sister under the under the bus here, <laughs> but that must that's that I'm I'm a, I'm a father now, and okay. I, I, I'm trying to think about what Aurora would have to be like for me to pack up and get the hell away from her. What what well, did she well yeah what and we... it's it's a long story and it's kind of okay she's sort of sad she has no clue what she does to people but in hindsight the fib was not necessarily but it seemed like a good idea it seems kind it seems it like is. the right thing to do spare her feelings blah 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 but it took us two years to get her out of the house and now this is 13 years later and um she still doesn't know that she tortures my dad and that he he has made me promise under no circumstances ever let me fall into her hands kind of thing. Well, I, I had so, this I, I, I would anyway. say without knowing too much that your sister is probably since we're talking about the Sopranos, your sister is a little bit on the side <laughs> a Janice is she a Janice Soprano? It's hard to say what she is. I think it's just, I think it's mental illness. Is she, is, I, you know, okay. I, it's, it's manipulative, it's um, entitlement, it's a whole bunch of things. But she's the first, she's the oldest. I'm kid four. Um, but based on all the other kids' situations, it just made sense. Yeah. But luckily, she did move in with my parents and stayed for a little while so that my mom caught on to what it would be like for my dad and they changed all the documents before my mom passed. Wow. Well, I hope she doesn't watch your show or I'm in deep shit. <laughs> no, so I see I see and, and here's the here's just a little bit of the con and but thank, I don't think she does watch your shows. Oh, there's a little bit of context you gave us, but it was just enough and I I believe that you were right in just <laughs> making it for hey, let's let's just try to keep this uh Keep this nice and uh, very short term. Copacetic. So didn't blow up. No doubt. Well, thank you for the call. Great, great, <laughs> great addition. Care. No, I love that. Um, I, I, I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of Janice Soprano. Maybe there's a little bit of addiction in there. Uh, I don't know if it's drugs or alcohol, but it's it could be obsessive compulsive. She trying to move in, thinking about the I don't know. Some people are just mooches, thinking about wills. Inheritances. John, the, the Johnny Come Latelys in the family that show up when they think that there's something, there's some meat to be picked off the bones. You know, I don't know. I'm just saying there's so, it, it could be any number of those things because we're not different from each other. We're not different. And I love when I'm watching uh, foreign foreign news or a foreign uh, inner street interview or something something where i don't understand what anybody is saying and i am forced to just examine body language especially 
body language and uh, social dynamics between parents and children, uh, husbands and wives, grandparents and grandchildren, and you can see like generational gaps and all that stuff, but it plays out in a cultural setting that you're not familiar with, especially with language. And it's incredible because whether they're Chinese or Indian or 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 any any place in Europe or whatever, you can always just be like, there's always those moments buried in everything where you're watching a situation you play out and you go, my God, they're just like my family. Oh my God, oh, oh, I know exactly what they're saying. I know exactly what they're saying, but I don't know what they're saying, you know? It's just the same thing over and over again. We know all these people. We know each other. No doubt. All right, let's go to Johnny Nada. Says this, uh, up until 2006, I never owned a cell phone, never wanted one. Wife had concerns about my work commute and added one to her plan. I objected, but she insisted, so I carried it for a while until she started calling me nonstop. Oh, no. Mostly just to chat and almost exclusively while I was driving. I asked her to stop, but she just kept calling. (laughs) I like this one. I hope this doesn't have a tragic twist or something because this is funny so far. Um, she just kept calling. If I turned it off, she'd bug, bug me the next day. She'd tell me to keep it on. She'd check every morning to make sure I had it with me. Sounds psycho, but it's just her way of trying to keep me safe. I hated that phone, and she knew it. It was quickly becoming the primary aggravant in our relationship. This went on for about a month. Then one night on the way home, as it was ringing away, I just rolled down the window and tossed that little bastard into the... <laughs> into the bar ditch oh no next morning she asked me why i didn't answer i told her i don't know i must have lost the phone somewhere maybe at the gas station she knew i was full of crap but couldn't prove it finally after about an hour of questioning she gave up she called me an irresponsible jackass and that was that yes i couldn't have agreed more but i was free again i ended up having to (laughs) this is funny I was free again. (laughs) I was free again. I ended up having to get another one a few years back for work stuff, 2020. But being untethered from uh, this technology for a good portion of my adult life has been glorious. I'm not sorry for lying to her. That that's that's just how he ends it. I'm just I'm not sorry, Johnny Nada. You have you you are uh, you're based. This is just flat out based. That's based. All right. I was free again. (laughs) That's amazing. All right. Kirk Lazarus. Kirk Lazarus. As I did a quick scan of life events, this lie is most assuredly my most important. This story reads like the plot of a movie in its entirety, but I'll keep to the point of the question. I worked for my family's jewelry store in Ohio when I was 26, now 35, and in the spring that year we were robbed. Me and the other gal I was working with got held at gunpoint and walked to the back room where we were then duct taped and tied up. Later on, after my failed attempt to close the door, 
to the front where the heist was taking place the escape uh, the and the escape out the back i was caught and dragged up to the front and placed on my knees promptly pistol whipped and collapsed to the floor i woke up several seconds later i think down in a pool of blood with an alarming amount still pouring out I then was told I would have to be killed because I saw their faces, which I had because I ripped a part of the duct tape over my left eye off earlier when we were fighting, but I swore for obvious reasons that I hadn't. I had not seen their faces and that it would be impossible for me to see through the tape. This went on at least 10 minutes back and forth until they relented and decided that they would just whip me again and knock me out and leave me. I told them it seemed I was going to bleed out anyway and to just leave me. I waited for a bit. I waited for the hit, but it never came. I heard footsteps leaving the building. I laid there for another few minutes, making sure that they were gone before getting up and calling the squad. That's what I'm fucking talking about. Now, I don't think that this group actually wanted to kill him. Uh, I, uh, thank, but they, at least that they were, I mean, maybe, maybe they were willing to do something rash. But um, they were at least suggestible enough to wear a convincing lie. A couple of convincing lies was going to save his life. Wowee. That's from Kirk Lazarus. Subvet, here's Brian. This is the subvet is uh, Gadgetdoc's dad, Brian Sr. So all of you, quite frankly, OGs, you know Gadgetdoc, our great late friend. And uh, here he is. I found our beautiful collie on the road leading out to our home and it had been shot by what we think was someone who was trying to break into our home. My daughter, who was about five at the time, loved that dog and was with my wife and not home. I quickly buried the dog, and when she came home, I told my daughter that the dog must have run away. My daughter didn't find out the truth until she was in her 40s when she heard my wife and I recall the incident. There's another one. Do you tell your child that the dog that she loved was not just run over by a car, which is bad enough, but to tell a story, to tell a truth that would have them thinking about how someone near where they live actually took it upon themselves to murder the dog. I mean, that, that can create all types of phobias and, and, and anxieties. Just about, you know, who, who am I living around? If they, would, if they would kill a dog, what else would they do? Because you've you got to be pretty fucked up to kill a dog just for shits and giggles or anything so yeah there I, I i would probably i would probably do the same it ran away very upset and uh let's let's go get another one and, and at least you can give her the belief that that dog is 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 living a uh is living a full independent life somewhere frolicking in the fields nano man Here's one from Big Irk, and then we're going to take a really quick break. Big Irk says, so about September in 22, I had been smoking weed hard every day that year. I'm a truck driver, so I messed up and I punctured a hole about a size of a half a red brick into the size of my trailer. As truck drivers get drug tested for any accidents involving uh, other vehicles or damage to structures, 
Well, in my incident, it was a freshly cut tree branch that doesn't fall in. It doesn't fall into an accident. Anyway, I told the boss what happened, and he pulls the drug screen form out for me so I can go piss. So, uh, me being a pothead, I stay ready with the fake urine. Oh, man, you stay ready with it. Urine cleanser and all. I go take the test. I fill up the cup with the fake urine. I see if it's not... If it's not enough to, to pass the line, so I fill the rest with my piss. Wasn't much I had to fill. Anywho, I end up failing the test. The fake piss didn't get you by. I get called in, and they ask why my uh, they ask why, and my lie was that off the top of my head, I had come up with I was it was my nephew's birthday party. And he had turned twenty one and had a chocolate bar that I had asked to have a piece of, and he was being stingy with it. So I snatched it out of his hand and scarfed it down, and unbeknownst to me, it was a weed bar, and I had no idea. They bought the lie. My main boss said, well, yeah, I can see that happening to any of us, LOL. I was scared shitless, knowing I could have lost everything, Frank, my job, my license, all that. That lie saved literally my livelihood and career. So from then on, sadly, I will never smoke Mary Jane again. Thanks, Frank. Keep up the bad work, my boy. So, Irk, I'm glad that that was the, the conclusion, though. Because I know a lot of people will be like, well, uh, stop smoking weed on the job. So you, uh, you threw something out there, and if that just came to your head, man, that's, a, that, that's good. That's smooth. You threw something out there. You, you got yourself a reprieve. It was a come-to-Jesus moment, and you left the MJ behind. And now you are just making sure that everything you have stays in place and you're playing it on the straight and narrow. And there will be a time for you to chill out again one day with the sticky icky. There will be a time that you can chill out and uh, pack yourself a one-hitter and then have yourself a stack of pancakes for dinner. There will It will come to you again, no doubt about it. And you know what? When the time comes, you may not even want it at that point. So there's always that. But I'm glad that it, that was at least a uh, something that inspired future and sustained change. I think that that is a good thing. Learning from a close call, that's always a sign of very high intelligence. And, uh, and will, strong will. All right, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm Mike Tyson. Watch me beat Peter McNeely on Comcast Cablevision. Comcast Cablevision. Hi, I'm Mike Tyson. Watch me fight Peter McNeely on Cock Cable. Cox. Hi, I'm Mike Tyson. Watch me beat Pete McNeely on Salmon's Cablevision. No, Salmon's Communication. Oh, hello, everyone. <laughs> Master Yoda here. And when the day is done, I like to watch, quite frankly. <laughs> Once you start watching, quite frankly, forever will it dominate your destiny. Consume you, it will, like the gallon of milk I just drank. This feeling in the pit of my stomach. The nearest washroom I must find. And while in the washroom, watch quite frankly. I will. Contractions. <laughs> 
QFTV. Missy gonna need to go over there and watch QFTV Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, right after Quite Frankly. Yeah. Oh, you're definitely cool. Only on QuiteFrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole. We are moving right along just like I, like I thought we would. Uh, with no no uh, dream calls, which is fine because I can always save that for a night on its own. I just threw the option out there. Um, here's a couple of new messages that came in. Hi, Frank. Just a footnote on the Lazarus discussion earlier this week. This is from... Who's this from? I don't have it. This written down? I don't know. Uh, just a footnote on the Lazarus Syndrome discussion from earlier this week. I'm just watching it now, late as usual. Prior to the, 20, the 20th century, or you mean to the 19th century, it says 29th century, has to be 19th. Prior to the, the 19th century, it was common for people to stipulate in their wills that their bodies should not be buried until a certain amount of time had passed. Sometimes they would include phrases referring to the onset of decomposition so as to be certain they were not buried alive. As an example, my great-great-great-grandmother, her sister, who made her will out in 1847, wrote the following. I also desire that my body may be kept 10 days previously to internment. So there's very little new under the sun. With all due respect, Stephen. That was from Stephen. Uh, that's, that's, that's in, not surprising and very interesting to, to, to pop on up. So I, don't, I wonder if they, when they started calling it the Lazarus syndrome, you know, back in the day, probably around the same time, there were also burial methods, which um, for at least a, a short amount of time that a person had been buried, at first, there was a string that was attached from a bell up on the surface all the way down to the, the casket below the surface that had just been, that had just been uh, buried. So that if a person did wake up and they had already been buried, they could start ringing the bell with whatever you know what's in their hands they can start ringing the bell and hopefully there's enough time for any of the staff over there at the cemetery to get them up before oxygen you know the old cemetery bells i don't think that happens anymore especially if you embalm somebody they're not coming back unless this is the monkey's paw which <laughs> we'll save that for a nightmare night what I don't understand in regards to a brain dead, this is from Carol. She had wrote this in. What I don't, this is from last night with the brain dead woman and the surrogacy. She said, what I don't understand in regards to a brain dead woman and if she were to be impregnated, how would her brain know 
it was time to give birth. Uh, for any any of our medical personnel in the audience, I would love to get a, an answer from you on this one. If a brain dead woman were carrying a baby, whether she was already pregnant prior to whatever trauma and the baby survived, and whereas she has no brain activity, there is still biological. She's still able to develop the child, and they're going to keep her, uh, you know, on, you know, alive through assisted measures until the baby could be born. Uh, it, it, does the fact that she is brain dead get in the way of any other processes, natural processes that would, you know, trigger labor? when it's supposed to happen? Or is it a situation where she would still, they would have to just give her, give the body um, nutrition and every, anything else that would get down to nourish the baby and at that point they could just induce labor? I mean, they could always just induce labor or C-section. That, that's what I would have to imagine. But, um, but the, these ghoulish people, of course, an expert from Europe that would suggest something like that. Remember, it was an expert from Europe that was suggesting we should start eating dead people instead of burying them. That that we can, you know, instead of having uh, beef from the deli or anything like that, we can we can just eat people from the community that die so that it doesn't go to waste and that we're not killing cows. So I, I would I'm not surprised when an expert or some kind of um, you know intellectual type comes up with something like this but anybody who thinks that you should have brain dead people become surrogates what how many children are you looking to get out of them how many children are you looking to get out of them that's what i want to know and 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 obviously they're not thinking about the the idea of a soul I wonder once your brain dead is your are you is your does your body still contain your soul or, or has has the glass ceiling been broken and you are now just outside of yourself because that could be one hell of a way to imprison that's one hell of an imprisonment right there kept alive for maybe 5 to 10 years to do nothing but produce babies and um I don't know, to imagine being conscious on some indefinable level for all of that. I don't know, that's, that's. Uh, I'm wondering, for all the, the staff out there who work around this kind of stuff, I'd like to know. Um, let's see here. Okay, all right, on to the next. On to the next. From Bo Dizzle says, oh, no, of course, I completely respect your decision to get vaccinated against COVID. It feels like endorsing suicide every time I have to say it. I don't, um, you know what, Bo Dizzle? I, this is one of those things where I don't think you need to say that. I don't think you need to. Um, I, I don't think you need to. This is one of those things where you can say, all right, you know. Uh, if you, especially if you know that there's just no negotiating, that this is a, this is a, this has become a part of somebody's principled stances that they take. You can just say, "All right, hey, you do you, okay." If everything else had had, had failed, like, did you read this? 
have you seen this? If you know that all that is out the window, then I don't think you even have to go there. You don't have to do the whole completely respect shit. You don't have to. You can just let it, let the water go under the bridge and, and change the subject to something else. All right. Uh, 914-595-6953. We've got a... A couple more moments left. I think I'm. I think we might get off a little bit early tonight. This was a good one, because I'd like to. I'd like to see what comes in over the weekend. There's a couple of bigger questions to be asked about, and I want to bring on Joy right now. Joy, how you feeling? Hey Frank, I'm doing good. Um, I I don't know if it's too late to jump in with a lie. No. But it's a lie without a word. Okay. When I was a youngster, I started working downtown when I was in high school at some point, at end of high school, senior year, and I'm coming home on the CTA bus, and um, there were some guys that got on the bus, like a group of guys, way back in the day, and they're mouthing off at different passengers, and they sat down right behind me and started calling me different names, using different words I wasn't used to hearing, um, and... Finally, I hadn't responded to it, so one guy poked me with something kind of real sharp, kind of poked me in the shoulder, and I turned around kind of startled, and he's, hey, B, you know, blah, 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 you ignore me. So, and so that. I just started doing sign language, and instead of, like, in an in instant, these guys were being that way, the one guy goes, oh, the poor little girl, she is deaf, and he's saying, I know sign language, and he's trying to act it out like charades. Mm-hmm. So I started doing stuff back, and, so, and you know, and had this great interaction, even though he didn't know sign language, I barely did. He thought I was deaf, and he was trying desperately to reach out and communicate with me. It just changed the whole dynamic of the situation. So they get off the bus, and I was now named the poor little deaf girl. So he's like, goodbye, poor little deaf girl. <laughs> Literally, they get off the bus. And I'm riding along, and the other passengers start saying, oh, I hope she knows where our stop is. You know, sometimes, you know, people are deaf, but they, you know, and they're having their conversations amongst themselves. So, you know, somebody writes down, do you know your stop? I write it down, you know, for the street. As I'm getting off the bus, I say, good night, everybody, <laughs> and got off the bus. And as the CTA bus pulls away, you see these people looking out the window just like, Oh, like an amazing healing taking place. <laughs> that's it's spontaneous. It's the situation for everybody on the bus. So that's yeah, that's so incredible. That, I, that, I, I, that's incredible. I'm surprised that you had the, the self control uh, to to keep it going for the rest of the bus ride. As long as as oh, soon yeah. as soon as they got off the bus, I would have been like, boy, that was strange. You know, yeah. and, <laughs> man, I, I give yeah. you credit for the control. That's great comedic timing. <laughs> You take care, hon. Have a great night. Thank you. Thank you, Joy. Thank you so much. That's great. Just kept it going for as long as you can. And then, uh, hell, all right. Joy. Let's take one from Derek. Derek from Michigan. What's going on, Derek? Hey, how's it going? Let me pause this real quick. Okay. Um, Yeah, been a long time. Been uh, busy digging in rabbit holes, finding truth. But, uh, you remember the last time I called in, I was kind of talking about the, you know, um, what I believed the truth behind the whole COVID scare was, and how it was like, kind of, it was kind of graphic the way I described the, the pool of all these 
baby eaters sitting around drinking a green adrenochrome and no i don't i don't i don't i don't remember i don't remember derek but uh did you want no. to uh, did you want to uh, amend amend something or or give us an update uh no no i wanted to give a quick little connect the dots that i've made recently okay real quick um okay so prior to the whole uh balloon scare that we had going you know that happened recently what was in the news was Pfizer's uh, director being exposed by Project Veritas, like, pretty bad, like, just fully exposed, like, their, you know, uh, direct evolution, mutating to make billions off of future vaccines for mutated versions of corona, which we all have coronas even in our bone marrow, in our bone marrow, and, um, and uh, so they released the balloons, and the balloons come all the way across the country, and they shoot them down, and they recovered recently the balloons off the coast of Myrtle Beach, and they found a bunch of English writing on them and parts that were manufactured in the United States. So then they've got the balloon scare. Well, we got to cover that up. So, you know, NATO goes to want to expand into Turkey and Syria, you know, expand. They want to expand further for the whole war, the false war that's going on over there. And uh, they said, no, no way in hell. You're not expanding any further. We're not going to get involved. This is not going to be our, you know, this isn't going to be our game. And then a, a week later, the following week, on the same night as the deep state satanic Grammy ritual that they held, the exact same minute that Syria had their earthquake along with Turkey, the exact same minute that earthquake happened, the Grammys were being, they were starting here in the United States. You know, I was wondering about and, that. I, I, I actually went to try to go grab any kind of uh, official time stamps of when, geolo geo when geological Dutch, data was, uh, was being... on YouTube is the best of the best when it comes to geological surveys. Yeah, they I know. I, I, I watch him. I watch him. watch him. Yeah, okay. I, I was thinking. He was talking about it recently. And then minutes before the earthquake happened, there's all these, you know, all these birds are flying around going spastic, you know, because they're using the HARP weapon system to create and simulate these devastating earthquakes. We know that they need sacrifices for their rituals to succeed. So there needs to be a loss of life. And I believe the number is like 20,000 plus and still counting. 30s. That have died and like 100,000 critically injured and tens of thousands missing. But, you know, and they had to get, they had to remove Tom McDonald from the billboard because they weren't going to reward him. He's an independent, non-satanic, manipulated, you know, puppet. They removed his song, which was, I feel, based on a spiritual you know, connection between him and his wife and, and his love. His okay, well, Derek, 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 you, you got you, yeah, yeah. you, let's, let's get to a, let's get to a conclusion. Obviously, you're, you're, you're okay, just so wanting, these, these, you're, well, connect, you're connecting, the, you're, what, you're, of what you're saying is there's a lot of synchronicity of all the things that are happening from the messaging to the actual physical manifestations of destruction and all that stuff. The, 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 the synchronicity. Right down the drag queens teaching kids. Right. Story time and all that. Garbage. It was a big, yeah, a big. All, 
And, I, and you know what? I, I'm with you on that one there, too, because what I had said with uh, – and, and thank you for the call. I'm going to be wrapping up now. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, I appreciate the call. No, I, I appreciate oh, I appreciate the time you gave me, my friend. Um, what I had said to Jason Burmes this week, or at least on the Jason Burmes show, when I opened it up, when you think about it from Sunday – from Sunday with the with the awards over here, which of course is Monday morning in uh, Monday afternoon or so in Turkey. Actually, no, it was early early morning in Turkey, and you have all that destruction over there. The first thing I started thinking was, all right, all right. I know it's an eight o'clock start in the U.S. eight eight o'clock p.m. Eastern time start with the Grammys. At what time did the? Does it matter at that point? What time? the Sam Smith actual devil dance began? Or does it matter that just the, the evening broadcast began? It was at the beginning of the ritual, you know, almost as if people are th- just the procession coming into mass. Like the, the, from the time that the doors close and the thing starts, that's the beginning of mass. Because if it is, then that, that is pretty odd. I, I think that around, I think from eight o'clock PM Eastern time is when if like within a, an hour, that is when all the, this massive death and destruction began. So I was wondering if anybody did any of the, the, the precision the math as to how precisely close to certain performances at the Grammys, how 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 close those performances were to any of the 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 geological readouts of when when things were registered times times time stamps. I was just wondering how close it all got because I know it's, it's obviously one on top of the other and 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 very and that's how the week started. Then you had the State of the Union, which was just a man. That was a shit show. Um, and uh, and there was more. There was more, but it's not done. It's not done. Uh, even if you don't watch football anymore, you understand what kind of a staging ground the Super Bowl is. All right, you know you understand what kind of a staging ground is. I mean, there's no there. It, it's a holiday unto itself. Because they would not, nobody puts anything of importance on Sunday night programming anywhere on Super Bowl Sunday because they know that nobody's going to be watching it. And uh, and for people like us, we know that there are more than one more than one reason to to watch and observe and 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 to see what's out there and to see what they're trying to push. And uh, it, it's definitely a spectacle. So at least people like me got to tune in. And of course, if you got money on the line. Just a little bit. I got a couple of boxes at some local delis, and uh, and that'll be fun. That'll be fun. I don't know what else to say. The Super Bowl, that's on Sunday. Anyhow, anyhow, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, I don't know what will happen tomorrow. Might go live from the back porch at some point tomorrow afternoon and, and do a, a cigar stream. But on Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, let me just give myself one more plug before the week ends. If you like independent media, if you like what I produce here, which I believe it goes beyond the news, and I'm going to start 
taglining myself a little bit more. Yeah, we're going to get into news. There's a political edge to a lot of it, but it's history. It's human interest. It's comedy. It's culture. It's so much more. And uh, if you like what you have found here, whether you've been watching for a while or you just signed up, this show is mainly 95, 99% supported by the audience. And let me tell you, I'm only supported by perhaps 2% of the audience, and we're able to do so much. So I invite every last one of you to, to evaluate whether or not becoming a sponsor at $2 a month, which is the lowest that is available for a monthly uh, sponsorship th directly through Squarespace on quitefrankly.tv on the Sponsor Us tab. If that's right for you, given that you know how much work goes into this show and it's always going to be free to watch Monday through Friday, always will, but if you can spare it, and if you think that it's something you want to see more of and to see more project projects bud out from here and bloom and to develop, then please become a sponsor of the show at, at whatever uh, peak and tier and whatever, whatever perks are available throughout S Subscribestar or Patreon still. And, and everybody gets a few things right off the bat. You get the exclusive links to things like Book Club, which the next one is coming up in March. We are about, uh, what, 18 days away from March showing up. And when March shows up, we're doing Brave New World with Jay Dyer. You can get those live links sent to you every week that we do them. They're unlisted. They're just for subscribers. But also on Sundays, every Sunday afternoon, we do unlisted streams where we just sit around a small group of people and do a, a Sunday afternoon stream. Those are the types of things that you get all throughout. And uh, there's, there's, there's monthly giveaways and there is direct messaging and priority emailing. So that is what everybody gets, no matter how little they pledge. And I, um, I hope at the very least you give this episode a, a like, a thumbs up, share it with somebody that you think would appreciate it and go to iTunes or Spotify and give it some stars and give it a nice review this weekend. That's all I can do. If I'm not for myself, who will be? And I, uh, and I just wanted to give myself a last-minute plug before the week ended. So I, I appreciate you giving me that time to, to, uh, to throw that out there. And I leave you now in the loving arms of the After Hours crew on QuiteFrankly.tv as the weekend roundup is about to begin. So go there and hang out. But let me just make sure I wash through all of the Super Chats real quick. Jesse Woke says, I was volunteering to help build a house. Lady from church accidentally sliced both of my hands open, bleeding everywhere. I pretended not to notice until somebody asked what happened. I said, I didn't know how it happened. I didn't want her to feel bad. I don't know, Jesse. I mean, I guess that you have, I, I, she, wait, 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 wait. She, sli she sliced both of your hands open and she didn't know it? I don't think there's anything wrong with letting her know that she sliced your hands open. But you're a very, very nice guy for sparing her that 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 horror. I don't know. This one, <laughs> this one, there's a little bit to be debated on. Did Jesse do too much to spare somebody's feelings when uh, there's no reason why she shouldn't know that she's a careless, careless uh, with a knife? <laughs> Jesse is very, hey. He's probably a great friend. 
Silky Johnson again says, might be my brain's twisted way to remind me of the shit show of these choices I made. On a lighter note, have you ever done a topic hearing something that takes you back to your childhood? Uh, yes. Yes, in fact, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about sounds from your childhood that you do not hear anymore. And that wasn't just music genres changing. It was the changing of antiquated technology, like the change, the, uh, the changing of records, the click of eight tracks, um, church bells, things like that. I would love to revisit that. I think there's still a lot more that we can get out of this audience. Montana Todd says, I love your show, Francis. Thank you, Montana. Thank you. Um, and Silky again says, Frank, most of my nights are absent dreams. However, when I do dream and remember them, they are usually not pleasant. I had bad drinking and drug problem and my nightmares usually revolve around falling back into that and the horror of those choices. And waking up is probably quite relieving, but it's not good to wake up that way. I know exactly what you're talking about, though I'm not dreaming about drugs or, or drinking, but um, I can respect that. Very weird dreams over here. Thank you, Mrs. Press. And uh, and now over to Rockfin. Just to make sure everybody's doing well there. Good. And we have one more on... Do we have one more? No, we're all caught up with Rumble. And on to Foxhole. There's a little bit over here. Mr. Pete, thank you. Cave Toad says, a yes, uh, a can for yes, we can. Forum link as text at the bottom of the screen. Always, please. Uh, Sean Joe, Stolen Election Karma, Mr. Pete, C. Blanche, Stostube, River Pike, a lot of cans from Stostube and Cave Toad, Ranger Billy, they're all sending in the, uh, the Super Chats over on Foxhole, which is on QuiteFrankly.tv. They're getting ready for the after hours. Stostube said, I'd like to treat Cave Toad to a couple of cookies, please, and possibly an additional beverage or two. So now Witchy Poo and Stostube and Cave Toad, they're all throwing invisible cookies and cans and whatever at each other. And then Cave Toad comes in with an EMP, which is a very generous offering. Uh, two EMPs, Stostu with an EMP. What the hell is going on here? They're dropping bombs. I don't even know how we're able to broadcast right now. These EMPs are going to take out the entire country. Witchy Poo comes in with a fleet. A fleet is also a very generous offering to the show. I can't get over these people. Jay Jewel says, I lied to my dad when he was dying. My brother my brother wasn't coming. I told my dad my brother loved him. Oh, that hits. That hits. Wow. Well, good on you, Jewel, for doing what you thought was right. And... Um, Thank you to everybody else after Jules. There's more from Stostube. Posey, Posey for Hope says it's all in the intention. We are to, we are to do good by all. Cave Toad again. They're EMPing themselves to death. This is incredible. Delona comes in with an EMP. I don't know what's going on now. I'm afraid to even look at what the total is. Stostube, I agree with what Cave Toad just said. They're EMPing each other. This is bad. There's a, there's a lot of people dead right now. Cave Toad and Stostube, they're getting into a gigantic nuclear war with each other. River Pike is just trying to survive. Sean Joe says, Frank Roseanne has new show on Fox Nation. Maybe you would be a guest one day. Starts Monday. I was texting with Roseanne not too long ago. I told her, hey, I just, I just saw the coming attractions and whatever. We were going back and forth. And uh, I said, if you're in New York, 
for any kind of press, like if you're going to Fox Studios in New York, then uh, you should swing by. And she she said, well, I'm going to actually going to be there in two weeks. And where's the studio? So I, I it's a long shot. It's a long shot. But I'm hoping to get her on on the show at some point during this this revival of her work on on uh, on air. But if I can actually get her to sit in the studio with me, that would be. That would be a banner moment in 23, no doubt. I'm sure my mother will want to be here for that night. Uh, meme to Octor. Oh, Memento. Sorry. Every, it's, all, it's all memes to me. Memento Octor says, we just didn't get along and I couldn't... Uh, wait, wait, wait. And I couldn't be... Jeez, ha- I'm getting... We're scrolling here. We just couldn't get along... We just didn't get along and couldn't be happy. That's what I said to my son when asked why I divorced his dad. Richard Lyles, thank you. And now Stostube is just emptying whatever is left of his life savings in cookies. I can't do this. Thank you guys so much. Enough, because I have to get off, and I don't want to be here to, to, I don't want to miss anything that you have given. And you can always tip your, uh, what the hell am I looking at? That's an incredible number. I don't even know. I wonder if that is some sort of a, no, it may not be a record, but uh, tip your wonderful people well on the network side, ladies and gentlemen. I'm releasing the scratching. This is a scratching that might drown a lot of people. And get on to the official thread for this. I want to see more people talking about and commenting on and discussing the lies, the most important lies they've ever told on quitefrankly.tv. That forum is there for you and me and all of us working together get to know people and test out new ideas or old ideas we'll see you on monday night thank you for everything you have been incredible to me for another week and uh, i won't forget it i won't soon forget it until next time i'll catch you on the flip side Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now, our super chatter, starting with Stostube. Stostube, who is just terrorizing us tonight with Cave Toad and everybody else, is amazing. Thank you so much, Stostube. Jesse Woke, Silky Johnson, Montana Todd, Silky Johnson, Mrs. Press, Smooth Dickens, Amanda Rife, and another happy birthday to Matthew, Mark Swan. Shake and bake to everybody that is on Rumble and all those wonderful Rumble rants and then also Foxhole where the party has just begun. We will see you next week. and the truest, alas, are the fewest. But be one of these if you can. In duty ne'er fail, you will find twill avail you and bring its reward when a man. Don't think life plain sailing, there's danger of failing, though bright the future seem to be. But bright honor and labor and truth to your neighbor will bear you safe over life's seas. Then up and be doing, right only pursuing, and take your fair part in the strife. 
be honest and true, boys. Whatever you do, boys, let this be your motto through life.